Okay, turn in your Bibles to Genesis. Forty-nine. And when you've found Genesis forty-nine, put a finger in there and go to Psalm. Forty-four. And when you've found Psalm forty-four. Psalm 3. Can you do? Can you hold three passages open or not? Not on a phone. Yeah, that's there. See, if you have a phone, you can't do the multiple scripture thing. Yeah, there it is. So you can flip back multiple times and put bookmarks. I know. I know people can use them. Th these three scriptures, I, I want to... So I'm going to start with one I, I gave last. Psalm 3, verse 8, says... Salvation belongs to the Lord. In other words, deliverance. God, God is the one who brings salvation. Amen. We believe that? Because he said salvation comes from the Lord. God's deliverance. God's liberating power. God, God smashes down those walls. God is the one that brings us into victory. And it says, God, your blessing be upon or, or is upon your people. Your blessing is on your people. Hallelujah. You know, and there's um, the New English translation translates that your favor is on your people. Your blessing, your favor is on your people. Let's go to Psalm 44. Because there's something that when God's bringing us into freedom and deliverance, he says, how, do I, how does he bring us in deliverance? It's because his favor, his blessing is upon us. I've discovered that those words really are inter, interwoven and... and um, the actual word favor is just built into so many Hebrew words, especially the words um, for blessing. There's um, baracha, which is the, the, the word for the blessing, the blessing. It's a noun word. And there's barach, which is the not, not, the, not the man who used to be the president of the United States, but barach, which is the blessing of the Lord, which is a, a verb. It means it's an action. So, you would, so often it talks about me blessing you with the blessing. Many times, I'll barach you with barach. I'll give you the blessing. I'll, I'll, I will bless you with the blessing. And um, what is the blessing? It's, it's God's countenance coming upon us and the manifestation of his pleasure on us and his hand being open to us and the manifestation and the outworking of his favor into our lives. And so that's why there's many times in the Bible that will translate it sometimes the blessing or favor, and it's because they're overlapped in terms of their concepts and understanding. And Psalm 44, verse 3 says, By their own sword, talking to the children of Israel, they didn't possess the land, and by their own arm, they, their own arm did not save them. It wasn't because they were strong and good and, and wise and great warriors. It says, But by your right hand and your arm, Lord, and the light of your presence, or literally the light of your countenance, the light of, of your face looking down on them, for you did favor them. You put your, because you put your favor on them, they were able to conquer the land. And remember, that's what we started with um, a number of weeks ago when I went to Psalm 90. 
and you can go online and we have all our past messages there, talking about when Moses said, hey, if we're going to go into the promised land, there's one thing he said, one thing, God, I'm really, we need to be established. There's one thing we need. God, we need to be under your favor. We cannot go there with, Lord, your face not looking at us. We cannot go there without your blessing on our lives because it's that blessing, it's that favor. It's the fact that your countenance, your approval, your light is on us. That's what gets the job done. It's not by, we're not powerful, we're not mighty warriors. In fact, we are in a huge amount of trouble. In fact, the Lord says, um, Moses said, the Lord, you didn't choose us because we're a mighty nation. You chose us because we we're small and insignificant. You didn't choose us because we were so great. You chose us because we were nothing. And you said, I'm going to put my hand on you and you're the apple of my eye. And through the faith of your father, Abraham, I'm going to use you and bless you. And through that blessing, you have my, you, you, you enter into the victory that you have. Yeah. You don't do it because you're amazing. And they knew they were small and they, they, they would. And um, when, when they, they failed their first test, when they sent 12 spies to look at this amazing land God was going to give them, and 10 of the spies and said, came back and said, oh, it's an amazing land, but there's huge giants and walled cities. There's no way we can conquer them. And they all got so full of fear, but it was only um, Joshua and Caleb who stood up and said, guys, stop listening. Don't. The Lord has told us. The Lord's going to be our strength. We can do it because God has told us. And God says, I can use that. But the people followed the 10, and he said, well, I've got to... I can't use that generation because you can't go in there in your own strength and your own arm. And you've got to be trusting in me. And so Joshua and Caleb and the new generation came through. And that was where Moses was uh, so adamant. God, you've got to put your favor on us. You've got to put your countenance on it. You've got to lift up the light of your face on us, which is literally what it means when it says, For, but your right hand and your right arm and the light of your countenance, your, you give me your... your you smile on me. You put your face on me and you give me your favor and you say, yes, yes, yes. I mean, you're mine. You're mine. And I, and I, and I approve of you. And I think you're wonderful. And, I, and I, I'm, you, anything you want, anything you want. We, we have um, a friend who lives in America, um, Glenn, Glenn and Holly. Some of you know, in fact, Glenn has spoken here at the church. He, he was in Australia um, for a number of years, well, 20 years ago. Yeah, a long time ago, long, even longer than that. Um, and they, they were, and um, amazing family, love Glenn and Holly. We still keep in touch. And um, but Glenn's a pretty, don't mess with Glenn. You know, he's a really good guy, but, you know, he keeps things clean. He'll, you know, you don't leave mess around. They, might, they make me watch all that stuff. I, don't, I think, no, I'm, I'm not saying anything that I think Glenn would say. He, you know, he, you do not mess and put mess in his garage. I've been in his garage and it's just amazing. In fact, every part of his house is amazing. His backyard is amazing. He's like, just, um, you know, he, if, if, it's, if it's lying around, it goes. He said he married a squirrel. He said his wife, Holly, when they first got married, she'd leave a little thing like, a little, you know, squirrels put their... their they store nuts for the next season. He said she'd be at the bed, you know, she'd be in the lounge room. She'd leave that book there for later. She'd leave the magazine there for later. That's not like, it's, it goes, it goes, it goes. And um, I'm pretty sure that she, we were talking, that they, her wedding dress, she was saying, oh, it's stored in the garage. And Glenn's, oh, maybe not. You know, <laughs> you know, don't you understand? I'm, I'm just saying, he's, oh. 
He, he tells himself the story of the time he came and cleaned out our church garage for us as a favor and rang up my father-in-law, which was the senior pastor at the time, and he said, oh, I've taken three loads of tip. Pastor Rick's like, three loads of rubbish? There wasn't three loads of rubbish in that garage. It's hardly three loads of stuff in there. He said, how could you find three loads of garage? Well, because again, then if it didn't look in A1 condition and have a label on it, and it just went. And um, yeah, so, you know, that was an exciting moment for everybody discovering all the stuff they'd put in the garage was gone, you know, and the storage was gone. I'm saying that because, you know, you don't mess with Glenn. And he had, like, rooms like his desk and his study. That's his area. That's, you don't mess with Till he had a grandchild. <laughs> Till he had a grandchild. You don't mess with Glenn, but that grandchild can get anything. <laughs> that grandchild wants to turn the desk around. That's what we do. That grandchild wants this. That's what we do. Why? Because that grandchild has the countenance of Glenn. Glenn looks at that child and, and beams, and that child gets what it wants. Yeah. Now, I'm not talking about, okay, we, we, we're spoiled. Whatever. I'm just saying it's the heart attitude. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it, it's the approval attitude. And it's the countenance of God on us. It's the smile of God. And that's why if we, I know we're going to, Psalm, we're going to Genesis 49, so we're going to just take a little while to get there, um, maybe. Psalm, <laughs> Psalm 90, let's um, go back there. Um, verse 17, this is where it started. And the favor, verse 17, Psalm 90, 17, let the favor of the Lord God be upon us. Um, that, that word favor there, it, it's the light of his countenance. It's the approval. It's the beauty of God. It's the, um, it's the fact that God just looks upon us with his, his <sighs> he says yes to us. Now, this is an amazing thing when you consider we were in sin and that sin would have caused God to turn from us. How did we come into a place where we have such amazing favor and where God can look on us and smile? How can we come to the point where we're like that grandchild is to, to Glenn and we just know, hey, he's, that grandchild doesn't know a tough God, man. He knows a man that will do anything for her. God is tough, but he, when I come to him, I'm, I'm boldly into his throne. I'm saying, Abba. He's called me to call him Abba, my dear daddy. How does that happen? How do we get this privilege of entering into this position? Well, I want to, let's just take a moment here. I wasn't, in Matthew, I think it's chapter 12. Yeah, Matthew chapter 12. Do you remember when Jesus came up out of the water and he was, after, when he was being baptized? And they said they heard something being spoken over him. Do you remember that? That there was something spoken from heaven. Do you remember? What did they say? This is my son, this, whom I'm well pleased. Do you remember that? Jesus coming up out of baptism and they hear God say, this is my son, in him I am well pleased. Now, I've just always, up until recently, since I've been studying this out, just thought, well, that's nice. He's saying, I'm his dad and I like him. That's really what I, I just took it as a, an endorsement of the fact that I, I like him. He's good. He's my son. I, I, hey, I'm his dad and I, and I like him. Until I started to make some, draw some connections. First of all, what is favor? 
favor, he's saying, I'm well pleased with you. I'm well pleased with you. Well, how can God say he's well pleased with us? And then I looked at Jesus and it said, okay, and the book of Matthew, it records this story of the fact that God is well pleased with us. And, um, but I didn't realize it's spoken of at three different times in the book of Matthew. It's not just that one time. So look at Matthew. I told you to go to Matthew 12. Well, you're going to run out of fingers here. Matthew 3, 17. This is when he is getting baptized. And behold, a voice out of the heavens saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. But then also in chapter 17, verse 5, at another time, this is way past the baptism. While he was still speaking, a, a bright cloud overshadowed them and a whole voice out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. So two different times. And then in Matthew chapter 12, Matthew says, I want to tell you about what Jesus was fulfilling. Many times through the book of Matthew, he talks about it was done to fulfill this, it was done to fulfill that. In other words, Jesus was coming to be the Messiah, the anointed one, the one that was coming to, to be the, the, the one that liberated us and the servant of the Lord, according to the book of Isaiah. This amazing servant, to fulfill Isaiah 53, but to fulfill many chapters. That's why when Jesus, in the book of Luke, when he went to his hometown, they brought him book, he said, they brought him the book of Isaiah, and he, un he unrolled it, and he began to read. He said, the spirit of Yahweh is on me, because he's anointed me to. And he began to read what the Lord had spoken through the prophet Isaiah about Jesus, and he said, this is me. And he stood up and said, this has been fulfilled today in your midst. This is it. I am this man. I am this man, and Jesus was just, um, he understood his whole ministry as being all the things spoken about me are being fulfilled here, all the things being declared about me. And in, in Luke chapter 24, you don't have to turn here because I've made you turn lots, but um, Luke chapter 24, when Jesus came out of the grave and um, he's walking and, and he's, you know, um, on the, the, two, the, the two of them that were going to Emmaus and they're walking and their eyes were clouded. They didn't know who he was. And suddenly their eyes are opened and their eyes are opened. And so Jesus began to speak to them. And he says, and it says to them, this is what he, how he shared it with, beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them in the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. He said, I want to show you who I am through all the things that have been spoken about me. And then later on in chapter 24, when he meets with all the disciples, it says in verse 44, now he said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was with you, that all the things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. To understand the scriptures. He said, if you understand what's been spoken about me, you will understand me. He saw, he, he, when he was reading through the Old Testament, he was seeing him being talked about. And he would, and I just wonder whether he used to have discussions with Matthew 
He said, and, and so that's how Matthew was able to write it into his gospel about this is what it means, this is what it means. I know a lot of it would have come as he said it and they didn't really get it till later, then they had the revelation of it and suddenly like, that's what he's been telling us the whole time. And if you've got still a finger at Matthew 12, you're still there? Okay, because Matthew 12, verse 15, um, verse 17 actually, in order that what was spoken, in order that what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled. He, the things he did was so that what Isaiah said about him would be fulfilled. And what was one of the key things that Isaiah spoke about this Messiah, this Son of God? And it says, Behold, my servant, God speaking, my servant who I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. So from Isaiah 41, I believe it is, God declaring when my servant comes, when my anointed one comes, there's one key thing I want you to know. You know, there's lots of things, but there's something key that you need to know. He's well-pleasing to me. Yeah. He's, he's got my approval. I love him. Yeah. And twice through the heavens, it's declared, he's the one I'm really pleased in. Yeah. Now, the reason why that's so special and so powerful is because that by my faith, I trust in him. And I come into him, um, and according to Galatians, actually, let's just read that, so I'm not just half quoting it. Um, Galatians 3, verse 28, says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave, slave nor free man, male or female. All those, all those categories, it's not how God is looking at us. He is looking at us in one category. doesn't and I've explained this. If you go to Bible school, you can find out. I don't mean there is no male or female. I'm just saying that's, that's not what it's talking about. That's ridiculous. What he's saying is that he's not dealing with you as a male or a female or as a slave or a free or a Jew or a Greek. He's dealing with you as Jesus. Those who are in Christ, that's how he looks at us. And, you know, the, the, the six categories there, you know, the male, female, Jew, free man, slave or Jew or Greek, they're the six ways that a Jew would look at life through those lenses. And he's saying, don't look at any of those lenses. There's one lens that's I'm in Christ. And it doesn't mean the other things aren't real. It just means when God is dealing with us in terms of bringing us into his presence and his provision, he says, you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's offspring and heirs according to the promise. If you're in Christ, then you get all the blessings and all the, all the, the provision that was spoken. Jesus was well-pleasing to God. He was the ultimate God's countenance could look down on him and not be like, eh, you're okay. But there's, eh. we didn't have to be, the old covenant, you could go in and out through your misbehavior and your bad behavior and your wrong behavior. But I praise God, my favor is not rooted in my goodness. It's rooted in Jesus, Amen. who is well-pleasing to God. And three times in the book of Matthew, it says there's something about Jesus, and you know what it is? He is well-pleasing to God. The highest favor rests on Jesus. And now I'm in Jesus. Guess what I have? I have the same look. It's like... I go, I go to visit Glenn Duncan in, in America. It's like some sort of special anointing that whenever he looks at me, he'd see his grandchild. <laughs> All right? And, 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 the fa and it's like he treats me suddenly differently. Yeah. 
because I've got that. I get the anointing that Jesus is on. That doesn't mean that we don't have to walk and, and live in a life that pleases God. I, I um, you know, I, I get that. I, I understand that we are commanded many times to, to do whatever we can to please the Lord. It doesn't abscond. You know, it doesn't mean that you, you don't have to now, oh, I don't have to try and please God. This means that same as grace, my forgiveness, my righteousness, and my favor is rooted in what Jesus has done. Okay, and I walk in that, and I appreciate that. That doesn't give me license to live like I want. That's dumb. All right. I often, I often, you know, I remember once trying to work out. Say, Lord, you know, how does this all work? You know, I'm, I'm like, Lord, you know, we we got to please you, but if we don't please you, we we get your displeasure. But if in Jesus, um, I've got your pleasure and I've got your favor. How does that all work? You know, because you know, like in Revelation, he actually talked to one church. He said, you know, this church. He says, I wish you were neither hot nor cold, but because you're lukewarm, you make me sick. Oh, that's not the favor of God. <laughs> that's sort of the opposite of the favor of God. Yeah. <laughs> it literally means you make me vomit. I remember just studying this one, think, meditating on this. You know, often you don't intend to vomit. You just vomit because something's not compatible. Yeah. You, don't, you, don't, you don't go out of your way to vomit. You just vomit because something, oh, that's not, spit that out of your mouth. That, oh, that's not what I. That's not what I imagined. That's not what I wanted. That's oh, that's disgusting. I don't want. I don't want God to say, "Oh, I love you." What was that? Oh, I'm sorry. That's just my behavior. That's my lukewarm attitude. That's me being influenced by the world, God. I don't want that. And so I'm like, okay, God, how does this work? How do I walk in your favor but also live to please you? And and what happens if I'm not pleasing you, but how do I walk in favor? You know, that, that's a question. What, what do you do with someone who is living in a way that's um, not pleasing to you? Can they still believe for the favor of God? Is that a good question? If someone is not obeying and doing everything they can to please God, but they're living a, a, a lukewarm life, a wrong life, can they still believe for the favor of God? Can they still see the favor of God? What a good question. I'm asking God this. God's like, wrong question. Oh, what do you mean? Oh, good question to me. I'm sure everybody else agreed with me. I, I reckon the people on my side got a good question. Uh, they wanted the inquiring minds want to know. Um, like God's like, does it really matter? What's what's your role? Just get as far away as being vomit material as you can. Just become so absolutely besotted with God and wanting to please Him, and He said, then it all takes care of itself. All right. Don't, don't try and have two. What happens if I'm living like this and I want to be in the favor? Just have one. I'm living like this and I want to be in God's favor. Yeah. <laughs> and um, God's like, it's a really, it's a very murky world, this one. And only God can work it out. Seriously. That's why, I, you know, I get confused. Like, God, that person's living like that and yet you've given them favor. How did that work? Or this person's, you know, they're pretty good, but they're not getting favor. How does that work? God says, Leave that to me, because there's a lot of stuff happening you ain't going to understand. There's a very complicated algorithm working all that out, and um, you just aren't up to it. It's like, you know, when remember Job, like, how does this all happen? I wish God would come down here and I ask him a question or two, and then Job turns up, and God, so God turns up, and Job's like, oh, I don't know, I think I'm... God says, oh, I thought you wanted to talk to me. He said, first of all, do you understand how this works and how this works, how the stars work, how this works? How the, you know? He says, if you can't even understand that, what chance do you have of understanding the stuff I'm trying to talk about? Yeah. So there's a point where we say, Let, let's not try and... I, what God's saying is don't try and understand that. Yeah, that's it's really not for you to understand. Yeah. 
and it's not for you to judge sometimes. Do you know what I mean? You know what I mean? I'm just saying, oh, where are you on the scale? Can I just say what we are to say? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else gets added to you. Just put him absolutely first, and it all sorts itself out. Stay red hot for God. Um, you know, in the, book, the church at Ephesus, it says you left your first love. Then that's got to Well, what's the answer? Don't leave your first love. Do you know what I mean? Um, you know, one of the other churches, you've got a problem there. You've taken on the teaching of Balaam there, and you, you, you do, you're, you're compromising. What's the answer? Don't take that on. Just get away from it. Just cut it off. Do all you can to be following God. But I'm telling you that where we get to is not my righteousness and my favor. All I'm doing is coming into the favor that Jesus has won for us and the smile that God puts on to Jesus. That when, Jesus, when God said to Jesus, I'm well pleased with you, we should celebrate because that's the favor he has for us. That's us. We're blessed. We're blessed. Now we can go to Genesis 49. All right, because now you are. So we need that. That's what, that's, that's what we need. By his strong arm. No, yeah, by his mighty hand. Yeah, not ours, not my hand, not my arm. It's him, and it's his favor. It's the light of his countenance on me. Gives me an empowerment. That empowerment results in the blessing being on my life, his favor being manifested, and those things are given to me to get the job done. And when the children of Israel were going into the promised land, they needed the favor of God. They needed the blessing because it was that blessing and favor that was going to get them through and living full lives in the promised land. And so Jacob came to his 12 sons in Genesis 49. First one, Jacob summoned his sons and said, assemble yourselves that I may tell you what shall be for you in the days to come. Now, you might say, oh, he's just going to give them, he's predicting the future, he's speaking. It's not so much that. He's declaring to them so that the future will happen. This is what happens. He speaks to them so that what he says can come to fulfillment. It's a prophetic declaration that then becomes reality. And he's saying, I need to speak over you so that when I'm gone and you're going forth and you're going into the promised land, I am speaking to you. And ultimately, he wasn't even speaking to them. He was speaking 400 years down the track to the, the, their children and their descendants, saying to them how they're going to come into the promised land. He was putting the blessing on them that would bring them into the fulfillment. That's why Moses was so determined when they had messed it up, say, God, put your favor on us so that you can establish the things that we're doing so our hands, the works, can be, have your favor on them and we can get the job done. We cannot go into that promised land without that blessing. And then at the end, only a couple of chapters, um, to the end of um, Deuteronomy chapter 33, right at the end of Moses' life, he speaks the blessing again over the 12 tribes, speaking this blessing over them because that's what's going to get them through. That's what, so this is the blessing. And so he's got 12 sons, and some of them have messed up. Three of them are in real trouble. They've, they've done some wicked things. They're not doing well. And he, he speaks out of that. But then he also speaks to each of them, and he gives them prophecy. But I want you to go to verse 28 and hear what he said at the end. All these are the 12 tribes of Israel, and this is what their father said to them when he blessed them. He barak. He brought them, everyone, with the 
bracha, the blessing, that was appropriate to him. He gave each of them a blessing. Not just, I've got 12 blessings, get get, whatever you want. He said, no, each one as they came, something would rise out of him and he would prophesy according to the blessing, according to what was being drawn out in them. I declare that there is a favor on your life that is appropriate for what God has assigned you to. There is a blessing and a favor factor that just rests on you that will get the job done for whatever you face. And if you ever come into a situation, there is a provision and a favor that just matches that and will work that and open the doors and do whatever you need. You can say, I, I have a, I have a tailor, tailor-made favor sitting on my life. I've got, I've got favor that is just made for me. It fits me. It works me. And I, you know the favor I've got? I, it's like, you know, like amazing suit. But I see it's more than that. It's like, you know, those spy movies when they're about to start the movie and they, they go into the, they go and they give them something. But, you know, like the cufflink, you know, lets off a, an explosive bomb and, and, you know, this button will radio, you know, the, and contact satellites. And, you know, have you ever seen those? Jack, now they've got all this stuff built into them. Yeah. And you know that when they... When they are sitting there and some guy's telling them, this is what this does, this is what this does, you just know somewhere in the movie he's going to need that button. Somewhere in the movie he's going to have a cufflink that explodes the door open. Somewhere in that movie he's going to do something. You know, this tie can, you know, do something. You know, you know those movies? You know, and it's just all special effects. It's all nonsense. But you just wonder whether, you just wonder, is there really at some point do, do, do real spies look at that and go, oh, dear. Or do they go, they're giving away our secrets. <laughs> I just don't know. I just don't know what they do. You know what I mean? It's, um... But your favor jacket is handmade for you. Yes. And it's got everything it needs in it for the job that you're going to be facing. Amen. Everything you want is there. So when we look at these blessings... And it's interesting, he called them the blessings, even though some of them, see, it doesn't, some of them it never mentions the word favor, and some of them never mentions the word blessing. But they are called a blessing. They are a factor of the favor. It, it's not, it just because the word's not there doesn't mean it's not a blessing. It's the whole concept, the concept, I'm giving you an empowerment, I am speaking to your future, I am declaring based on what God has called you to be and who God has called you to be, I am now speaking over you so that you can get the job done. All right, so I, my plan was, hey, I'm going to give you 12, you know, blessings, 12 favor factors, but, you know, it, I realize there's a lot to unpack here, and so I thought, well, let's narrow it down. The more I narrow it down, I so said, let me give you one, because yeah. I don't think I'd get past one, and maybe we can build and, and look at it. So um, there's lots of exciting things in here. You can imagine, this would be like walking in to a spy room and there's jackets all over. I say, which jacket? Well, which one do you need? What are you going through? Well, why don't you just grab this jacket and I'll tell you what this jacket does because this is really good. So we're going to, I'm going to be looking through and I want to give you the Naftali jacket. All right, so can we get the Naftali jacket? Because you might look at all the jackets and someone like the hand grenades hanging out of the pocket and rocket launchers on the back. He's like, that's the one I want. All right, and then there's the Naftali one. It's just sitting there. It looks really plain. Now, I don't want that. Because look at Naftali, verse 21. 
Okay, let, let, let's do the Naftali. Who wants the Naftali jacket? <laughs> all right, I'm gonna, you're gonna, you ready? Because you need the Naftali jacket this week, all right? You're gonna wear the, you're gonna get it done. It's your favor, ready to do you. And Naftali, you say, oh, I got that jacket. You put on, what is it? What is it? What's my jacket? What's my jacket? <laughs> Verse 21, Naftali is a doe let loose. He gives beautiful words. <laughs> End, that's it. That's your jacket. I'm a doe let loose, giving beautiful words. Is there another jacket? You know, like, you know, like, look at Joseph. Wow. Look at Judah. Judah's jacket's awesome. Judah's jacket's like, an, a, a, like a full suit of armor. There's all sorts of stuff there. Naphtali is a doe let loose. He gives beautiful words. Amen. <laughs> Woo. That's going to be so good this week when I'm a doe. Let loose. Doe, a deer, female deer, giving beautiful words. And it's not helped by the fact that the Hebrew words and phrases in this, just about, it's a very short phrase, you know, in the Hebrew, and just about every word in the sentence, they struggle to understand what it means. So full of, um, you know, sort of side meanings, and so they're not really sure. So you look at translations, and it's sort of a bit all over the place. And it's like, but they can get the gist of it. They can get the vibe of it, but the actual words, they really struggle. They're not sure what they're talking about. Um, and so sometimes it's a doe, sometimes it's a, a you know, a, a you, not like you, a female sheep, and sometimes it's a buck. What's this, words? Is it words? One says, no, it's not words, it's children. Give beautiful, it's got beautiful kids. Okay, I agree with that. Um, one for the guys, it's like, one translation is, is Naphtali's like a buck. <laughs> Set loose, and roaring. <laughs> Beautiful words. I'm an amazing buck. What is Naphtali? Naphtali, what, what it says is, okay, the, the gist, the heart of it, what's coming, Naphtali is an is, is, is an animal that can't be contained, all right? Naphtali is a doe let loose out of the restrictions, out of the restrictions, going to, going to go to new places and do new things. And Naphtali is filled with life and stuff's just flowing out. So is it words? Is it children? Yeah, it's just, it's coming out. Naphtali is full of life. No longer restrained. Naphtali's broken the barrier. Naphtali's out. Woo! Naphtali's going to the next level. Naphtali's the next level. He's got to go to new places and do new things. Naphtali, that's Naphtali. He can't hold me in. And the things that are flowing, they're good. I begin to speak things. They're good. When God's worked in you, you say, I'm speaking this. Now, when Moses got hold of this, and he also then spoke the blessing over Naphtali. Do you want to see what this blessing had grown to by the time Moses saw it and sent them into the promised land? So now we go to Deuteronomy 33. He says, oh, Naphtali. It's grown to two lines. You know, you know like four lines 
Two different phrases. And oh, Naphtali, this is verse 23 of Deuteronomy 33. Naphtali, he said, oh, Naphtali, satisfied with favor, full of the blessing of the Lord. Take possession of, well, New American says, the sea and the south. I think it's more likely, it's more accurate, west and south, because the word for sea and the word for west were the same word. They, they, that's how things work, because the sea was to the west. So sometimes I just refer to the west. You had, you, was he referring to the sea or the west? And uh, most translations, or well, half of them, sort of go for the west. But I, I think it fits better with the west, because <laughs> funny thing was, Naphtali actually wasn't near where they... Where they um, where Naphtali was settled wasn't out on the ocean. <laughs> so it didn't, didn't, it didn't need to go into the sea. Maybe, you know, but, but south to west means spanning that way and that way. You know, you're going height and width. You know what I mean? It's the two dimensions. I'm going in the two dimensions. And what are you doing? You're taking possession of those two dimensions. You are moving out. And you are taking possession. Why? Because you are highly favored and the blessing is working on you. Naphtali's got a jacket on that enables him to move out and take possession of what he is moving into. Why? Because he's got the favor of God. Naphtali is the next level anointing. Right? Naphtali, next level, takes you, goes to a new place because you, it's, I'm out of the blocks. Hallelujah. And when I come out, I'm full of life. I'm full of, there's something growing out, there's, there's life coming. Is it, a, is it a child? Is it a family? Is it a harvest? Whatever. Yes, it is. It's, is it the words? Great things I'm speaking. Yeah. I'm declaring all the good things that God has given me. Oh, Naphtali, you are satisfied with God's favor on you. You're full of the blessing of the Lord. You are taking possession of the sea, of the west and the south taking possession of the west and the south. You know, that word possession, I always think, and it's actually the same word that's used in Genesis 15, 7, when um, God spoke to Abraham. Um, um, in verse, I'll just read it to you, verse 6, he says, Then Abraham believed in the Lord, and, a and God reckoned it to Abraham as righteousness. And God said to Abraham, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land, to possess it, to take hold of it. So the, lot, the promise was given to Abraham, and now Naphtali's got that promise. But you know that word to possess in the Hebrew has a double meaning. It means to possess and to dispossess. Because Abraham was not being sent into a land that had no one else in it. It was a possession that required dispossession. You've got to push out the enemy in order to lay hold of your inheritance. It's a provision. Naphtali had favor to go into places and to push out the enemy and make it his possession. When you go into this week and you are facing something, you say, I have a favor on me that will get the job done and then when we go into new places, I will enjoy things that maybe my family haven't enjoyed up to now, but I'm going to receive, bless it. I'm going to take hold of it. I'm going to speak to it. I'm going to let the good words of my mouth flow into this week and declare what God has got. I am wearing the Naphtali blessing this week. I have a blessing that is purpose made to enable me to get the job done. I can't do this by myself. I can't make this happen. This, I don't have the strength. I don't have the wisdom. I don't have the resources. I don't, you know, but God said, that's not what we're bringing in. That's why you need to say, oh, it's the favor of God that's on me that gets this job done. It's your hand upon me. 
I can't heal the sick, but the fever makes a way. What can I do? God's made a path for you. God's got an open door for you through your favor. Hallelujah. So you need to put on that purpose-made coat, the naftali coat when you need it. Say, well, I'm going into the next level. I'm taking the maximum. I'm going into the highest level. I need to, to walk. And God says, well, I've got something for you to do that. It's my favor. It's my grace upon you to get the job done. New Testament, the word in the New Testament is grace. It's just, that's the word, charis. It's the, it's the word that means um, the outworking of favor. It's, it's translated grace many times, but sometimes it's translated favor. The grace of the Lord. It said, um, uh, you know, when, when Mary, the angel appeared to Mary, and, um, and, he, and the angel came in and said, he said to her, Hail, favored one. Remember that when he said to Mary, Hey, favored one. Well, he's literally saying, Hey, Mary, you're graced. Full of charis, full of grace. There's a, there's a, 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 you're full of the favor of God is the grace upon you to get the job done and to walk into all He has. We have that grace upon us. Hallelujah. He looks at us and says, you know, just the, the same way I put my fa- I've got my favor on Jesus. That's the favor I expect and want you to work in. Hallelujah. That granddaughter does not walk into Glenn's study nervous and embarrassed and says, can I, you know, can I draw a picture on your you know, desk calendar? He's like, go for it. Let's draw teddies together. Uh, well, well, I can't remember, Christine, what did you, uh, you know this story. Um, what was it, something that the granddaughter was allowed to do in the study? Okay. Yeah, Caitlin and Cam visited and stayed with them. The study is off limits. To everyone, except there's a toy car in there, and it's like, all right, well, it's the grandchild. <laughs> she can park her car in there, you know, in the study. No one's allowed to leave anything in Glenn's study, except the grandchild. They can park in the car. You know, when I'm in car, you know, it's a young grandchild. It's a little toy car. All right, you know, we're talking young. Um, but it was, like, it was like, it was like, no one can do it except. It's just a favor. Hallelujah. How can we do this? Well, because we've got God's favor on us. We've got his blessing. Hallelujah. And that's why that was spoken. And and so the Natali favor. Hallelujah. I'm a I'm a I'm a deer let loose. Can't keep me contained. Hallelujah. I am going to the south. I'm going to the west. Can't keep me in these containments. You can't. Let me be held back anymore. Hallelujah. Why don't you stand with me? Hallelujah. Turn to the person next to you and say, oh, your Naftali jacket looks good on you. Hallelujah. Hey, and this week, I want you to, anytime you're facing a restriction, saying, well, my, I have the Naftali favor. I'm, I say I have the same favor that Naftali did. I'm going through this. We're going over this. We're going to... We're going to break this barrier down. We're going to move through. I'm going to take hold of that which the enemy has. Hallelujah. This is not just, oh, it'll all be out there, easy pickings. It's like you had to dispossess. You had to dispossess. Hallelujah. You know, um, I think I might have, just a note that I read in one of the um, uh, Bible concordances. 
Um, oh yeah. I, I made a note. This is this is you know. There's not a lot. Naphtali's not like Judah. You know, Judah went on to be. You know, Jesus is from the line of the tribe of Judah, and you know that's like, that's other other tribes. You know, he's not. Naphtali wasn't like the tribe. I'm just saying he had the blessing to get the job done for him. All right. And um, this was one of the um, reference works I said. Naphtali was a tribe about which little is known. But it's praised in, in the book of Judges, chapters 4 and 5, for its, um, its cooperation with Deborah in her tribe's fight with the Canaanites. Naphtali was willing to abandon the safety of their own highlands in the hilly wooded Galilean country in support of a vulnerable brother. Go, Naphtali! Naphtali. To the best of our knowledge, this is one... This is, to the best of our knowledge... The area that was given to Naphtali is one of the few areas of Canaan that shows no signs of Canaanite occupation. This reference puts the tribe of Naphtali in a good light and would suggest that the Jacob's word of Naphtali hints at the tribe's abilities in fighting. When they took over their area, they can't even find a trace of the Canaanites anymore. It's one of the few areas, there's other areas where you know, it's mixed you, but not where they were. Now, they had problems and they did things, you know. I'm not, I'm not saying once God gives you a blessing, when God, once God puts favor on you, that you don't mess up and do stupid stuff. That's why we've got to remember, we seek first the kingdom of God. We've got to stay in this. But Naphtali was known. There was something there that enabled them to fight. What was it? Well, they were blessed with a fighting ability. They were blessed with an ability to expand west and south and to take possession of that land. I thank you. I want you to say, I've been blessed to take possession. I have been, I, I am going to push, I have, I have been blessed to push the enemy out. I've been blessed to dispossess the enemy and make it God's possession. I have favor on my life which will make this door open to me. Hallelujah. Father, I bless us. I bless your people. I bless those watching and joining us online. I bless those here. I declare we walk in a Naphtali blessing this week. Lord, to get the job done. We are here to possess this land for your glory, to bless you in it, to see, Lord, to see this, this place prosper so you get glory. I thank you, Father. Lord, as the prophetic word came even earlier, Lord, to us that said that, Lord, we are... We, we, we're not to be restricted and hold back. We're, not, we're to, to move out, Lord, to, to go over and above and beyond, to taste and see that the Lord is good. We are to move into new places. We are to not sit back and be comfortable in just what has happened. We have anointing on us which takes us to the west and the south. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Caitlin.